I was just going to say about the whole, um, like, the bit where he rings him. And then I thought that that'd be really funny if he's, like, talking to him and being like, I know it's probably something tactical, but I'd like if you just rang him and just be like, yeah, I'm on TV, but, you you know, it's it's not in real time. You know, it's not in sync. It's really weird. (laughs) Or he he rings him and he's watching, he's he's clearly right in the middle of something else. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the game's on now, is it? Oh, no. Oh. Um... What what minute was it? Uh, <laughs> sorry, I was just watching. You know, Godzilla and King Kong's out. I was just, I uh, just thought, good a good opportunity to watch that. But um, yeah, uh, what about move Patterson into the middle? <laughs> That'd be a great cold open, Rich. If you want to put that on. Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host, after an outright refusal from the Calgary Municipal Services to help him out, has spent the past week in a battle to the death with some mutant mice. The rodents had their moments, but he eventually came out on top. I'm glad to say Dr. Luke Gledall is able to join us today, and we're not hearing a squeaking mouse. How are you doing today, Luke? I'm very good. I'm glad I really shoved it up those mice buggers. <laughs> shoved them what for? Yeah, stupid mice. Have you, you know, we've had a week without um, much in the way of Wednesday because the international break. How's that sat for you, Luke? Have you, have you pined for the, the, you know, the strange um, sadness of, of much that comes out of Wednesday, or have you, have you been glad to um, have a break from that? How, how's, how's it been? I think it was funny because I mean, last week, you know, we did the musical episode, which um, really enjoyed doing, and I think that was a really fun little distraction for myself. And I, I, I don't know, maybe I can speak for both of us. Maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe for you as well, Rich. Yeah. It was a- so it hasn't felt something I've missed. This has probably been the easiest international break I think I recollect in memory. I think also the weird thing is coming into the Easter fixtures. It's like knowing that there's a game, mm. there's a game we have today. We've got a, we've got one on Monday. You know that it's coming thick and fast, so it 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 feels a little bit easier. I think it's a bit rough when you come out of an international break and it's been two full weeks and you have just one game on the Saturday, yeah, and then there's nothing midweek. I think that's a bit tough. Like you know, you really need to just uh, double mainline your Wednesday, yes. Wednesday fix. And luckily, we've got a, a double weekender. Great, but now it's coming back and it's reminding me that is it what I wanted. <laughs> Yes, yeah, I know it's um it's familiar, but is it the right thing to do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not really much in the way of news this week, so I think we're gonna no. scoot right along to the match against Watford. Um, we <laughs> we touched on it in our coverage last time round, uh, but first chance we get Hutch is back in. Palmer dropped Hutch back in, and um, in in midfield, no less. Uh, that was the big sort of team news. Um, no Westwood still. There was sort of talk that he was 
maybe training and kind of getting his confidence back and maybe he would be involved, but he's not, he wasn't on the team sheet. Uh, Actually to give a little bit of a kind of quick backstep, just while we're talking about this riches, just thinking about, I think it was one of the things from midweek. I mean, it's, it gets to a certain point where it becomes interesting because you know, it's, it's funny when you get players who are injured at this stage, like if some of you have a player who's fresh injury, at this stage, at the beginning of April, would be like, oh, he's out for the season. Yes. Which sounds, obviously, has a lot more gravity because, you know, it sounds like it's a season-ending injury, but then, you know, you're quite close to the wall at this point, so it's not really a great great thing. But uh, it was said kind of midweek that basically Luongo's not going to be fit uh, for the season. Mm. Also the same thing for Adabajo as well, so... yes. We probably imagine that's probably going to be the last we see of Moses Odebajo in the Sheffield Wednesday shirts. Mm, a mixed, a mixed bag as uh, as a career at Wednesday, definitely for Moses Odebajo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. It's a bit like um, how people delight in from about mid December onwards, saying "See you next year." Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's saying that it's a, you know they won't play again this season. Actually, is only a matter of. A, a, a sort of month and a well, yeah, a month and a month and a week, isn't it now? So it's it's really not that far away. It's five six weeks down the line, rather than being you think you know, oh crap, that's three months, six months, or whatever. But um, it's sort of it's the again, it's that kind of crushing reality of the situation that that suddenly you know, like actually, we're not going to get Luongo, we're not going to have Moses Odebajo. I, I'm, I'm more worried about no Luongo between now and the end of the season, but uh, I know, I know, we've had to learn to live without Luongo because he's he's been injured almost all this season, he's he's barely kicked a ball. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a well, there you go, that's a kind of crushing, uh. <laughs> crushing scenario to be in but it's it's where we are but as you say it's not as dramatic as it sounds but it just means you know if we're the uh if we're the drowning man flailing in the water the um <laughs> there were several people who have vacated the beach rather than come and <laughs> try and help us um and the, the other bit of news today really was that darren moore has had a positive test to, to covid so hopefully um hopefully he's one of the lucky few that ha- doesn't have any uh symptoms and it's it's just a sort of passing thing for him but uh uh you know we've got to think about him and ho- hopefully he's he's well as a res- you know after after mm-hmm. this um and it seems odd to me i mean when wh- when would we have known and it it's what seems odd to me is that you can be the first team coach and then the whole team is okay even though you've got covid it is weird, isn't it? But it, you know, it depends how it's depends how it's dealt with, and depends what kind of you know, kind of what control situations in place. I mean, this is why people do things to you know protect themselves. Yeah, like it's uh, what is it? There's a safety model that basically is like the Swiss cheese method, which is basically where you create a number of you create a number of things to protect from the safety. So basically, if one of them fails. Like the mentality being, if one goes through a hole, it won't go through the next hole. So yes. that's typically what we do, and everything to do is to kind of minimise the spread, right? So I'm sure some precautions have been taken, but I, it typically does make you think that if one person, if one person does fall ill with, uh, you know, does contract the coronavirus, then it's it's going to spread like wildfire. 
Yeah, I suppose if you, if you limit interactions, if they're not allowed to do sort of gym work and things like that, or that's sort of strictly monitored and most of your contact is outside, um, everything that we're told says that, you know, being outside is, is much safer than being inside with people. So, um, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's not as odd as I'm thinking. It's just, I don't know, it, just, it feels like a very kind of day. I'm sure Dave Jones would have been able to get covid and not affect any of the players because you didn't see them until match day <laughs> but i just um i thought i thought darren moore was pretty hands-on but um i guess they all get tested at the same time so yeah it, it, I, i'm not looking into it i'm not i'm not trying to start a conspiracy theory around uh <laughs> covid and covid testing but um it you know the the upshot was it meant that today we didn't have him in the dugout um and it, it did buy us the lovely moment where Brian Laws said, I'm just trying to get to my um, my my quote where he said, uh, with technology these days, you don't even need to be in the ground to be a manager. Um, and at that time, we were looking at Paul Williams on his phone, um, just as he could have been probably at any stage in the last 40 years. Uh, you know, the, the wonderful... <laughs> The wonderful invention of phone technology. Uh, I mean, even mobile phones we've had for 20-odd years, haven't we? So, um, yeah, that just was, was rather a, an enjoyable little thing that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, I also thought the Watford boss looked quite like Brian Laws, so it was kind of it was odd that he was on commentary duties and then we also had his kind of an analogue for his younger self uh, in the dugout as well. Um, what did you think? I mean, so Hutchback, I, I assumed at first he was going to be in a a defensive three and we'd have a Gide right wing back, but that's not what happened. So what Well, that was my understanding as well. Because yeah. um, then I thought that basically you would have Urihide kind of out on the wing back role, you know, on the flip side you have Reach. But then they said that, you know, Patterson was playing right wing back, which yeah. we kind of forget Patterson's background and history of playing right back and right wing back and right wing, which he has done quite a few times you know i think that's, that's sort of his largely position, isn't he? In, in been his trade you know so it, it was weird you know it's a shame that westwood was still injured you know right from the off i said really need that defense to really put in a shift today yeah because there's just undoubtedly watford are squad wise i mean they have an embarrassment of riches they are they are right up there in terms of the best squad in this division i, mm-hmm. I think probably a better at least attacking-wise, and a better choice of options even than Norwich. Um, I would agree, I would agree. I, I definitely think that, yeah, definitely in terms of numbers, that there's plenty... I don't know, that's the interesting thing, because I, I think you'd probably say you'd look at a team like Norwich and say they've probably got a lot of a lot of definite starters. Yes. But I think you're probably going like a, a little notch below that with Watford and saying there's a lot of players who are kind of very interchangeable for... You know, I don't think that they're a team who'd have like a real consistent great goal scorer. And it was interesting the fact that, you know, Troy Deeney's just not been involved at all for Watford, and yet still they seem it doesn't seem to make any matter actually seem or seem better for the loss of a player who's essentially been a real talisman and kind of Mr. Watford yeah. football club for them for the past five, six years. So it's an interesting it's an interesting sort of development that they're They've hit this really rich vein of form when he's been out injured. It sort of reminds me, it's happened a couple of times at Spurs, where obviously Harry Kane is the talismanic Mr. Tottenham, you know, front of every poster character. 
But there's been mm-hmm. periods of time when he's been injured for you know months at a time or at least runs of games. And generally, Son does pretty well when he's given the chance to be a striker. And uh, sometimes they're in really good form, but Kane goes straight back in regardless. And um, I mean, I suppose Son is quite a strong character, but another sort of player might have kind of gone, you know, I did score like eight goals in six games when he wasn't playing. Could I just keep playing till I stop? You know, if I have one where I don't score or I miss one, Feel free to put that guy in, but uh, I feel like I've maybe earned the right to, to try this out for a while. Um, but uh, oh, there you go. Uh, so I, th- I think all, the first, almost the first thing of note was that Berner got himself a yellow card uh, for piling into Sar. That was that was pretty much the first event in the game. Um, or, or would you would you disagree with that? No, that's that's very much the first thing from the off. I mean, super quick yellow. I didn't think there was any great reason behind him picking up a yellow. No. You know, not for the term of it definitely was a yellow, but there wasn't really any great reason for him to just be so careless in that position so early on in the game. You know, carelessness and self-destruction is is so built into this team now, particularly the defense. Because I think there's a bit of that. I'm, the goal came quite quickly after that. So seventh minute, they they went ahead through an own goal by Tom Lees, and I don't, I don't want to blame him too much because it's the sort of thing where probably the guy finishes it off. He probably feels he needs to do something, but the linesman put his flag up. So if Lees hadn't put it in, there's every chance it would have been given as an offside. And, yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, I mean, a, a lot of that was kind of on the commentary, as you said, Brian Laws was there with uh, Giddy Adings doing the commentary for Radio Sheffield today. And um, it's like, oh, well, I can't really blame him. I'm like, no, I, I don't. I think the difficult thing for me with that is it's kind of a bit like, okay, you know, it's it's like, okay, I've walked to my stove my kitchen stove to make myself a grilled cheese sandwich. So that's my first step of this. You know, the second step, you know, it felt like I've managed to pick up the frying pan and bash it into my face. (laughs) That would be the second part of it, which would be kind of a fault. So if I kind of apply the similar logic to Tom Lee's, like, by all means, try and intercept the ball. You know, I, I think it was unfortunate because I, I agree with you that it was looking a little bit offside if I'm not sure who the Watford player who was there kind of uh, encroaching in the back stick. Maybe success? Could well be. Could well be Isaac's success. Um, but then I just, I don't, still don't kind of really understand what he was actually trying to achieve after he got contact with the ball. Yeah, there was no, there was no plan from Tom Lees that didn't result in an own goal. I think what, that's the thing, I'm not... I'm, I don't want to ble- I think he's kind of gone oh well I might as well try something because it's going to be a goal anyway and it's not it's not that he's completely wrong in that but it's like it's it reminded me of the couple of penalties we've given away recently where it's not a given that a goal happens all the time people miss and inexplicably miss every single game of football that happens so it's we, but we take the choice or we take the the chance out of it by kind of going oh well it was a goal anyway oh well they were going to score yeah yeah and, yeah and, and that's what the hutch challenge was like it's what the 
burner challenge was like, and that's what like, this was like. Because, because yes, it's a, maybe a, you know it looked like a tap in. He probably would have just tapped it in and finished it. And then we don't know in terms of the offside, and there's no way for Tom Lees to know about the offside. But <laughs> I don't know, get, like giving him the chance to miss it feels like a better decision to make in that situation. And mm. scoring the own goal in almost a thing of you know, oh, well, it was going to happen anyway. Uh, I don't know. It's just sort of, it speaks to a kind of, it says a lot about mentality, I think. Unfortunately, nothing good about mentality. (laughs) Um, So I don't blame him in the situation. I'm not saying like, oh, we lost because of Tom Lees. I thought it was a great cross. Again, maybe Wildsmith could do a bit better. Um, Tom Lees is kind of left on a hiding to nothing as the defender there. But, his action took away any ambiguity, any doubt, any possibility of of an error that would have saved our our, our situation. So yeah, it's it's frustrating. Um, I'm not coming down too hard on him. It's just yeah, it didn't, it wasn't a given, didn't need to be. And the fact that the linesman put his flag up makes me think we probably would have got the the uh, goal ruled out if it if he'd scored it. Hmm. Um. We then had quite a decent amount of possession um, for, for sort of the next 15 minutes or so. We we had quite a lot of the ball. We were fairly comfortable. I think they sat off a long way. Um, but not not bad sort of play. Um, I think they talked about whether they compared our performance on the commentary to the the game against Barnsley and, and whether it was something to do with the pitch. And there was a, there was a moment between between Giddings and and Laws, where Laws said it's like your it's like your front um, oh it's like your front room carpet, and and uh, Andy Giddings said it's a big front room, and they they chuckled away to each other. That was like, yeah, we oh, all we enjoyed, enjoyed the fact that you know Andy's Andy's with his mate with his mate Bry. <laughs> with his mate Bry. Um, the next note I've got was that weird corner routine from Watford. Where they all bunched in towards the corner taker, sort of like twenty three minutes. Yeah, that was the weirdest one I've ever seen. Like uh, I, I made the note about that being incredibly strange, and that a short corner would have been better. Yeah, I think even a short corner where you would have conceded, conceded a free kick through being offside, would have been marginally better than what they tried to achieve. Well, they crowded everybody around the corner kick taker who. Passed the ball through the crowd to Joey Pelipesi, who cleared it. That's what the um, the set piece routine ended up being. And um, again, get, I was I was sort of um, I was have, playing a third part in the commentary because Andy Giddings really did get on my nerves today. Um, but but he he said like it was a well worn bon mot. There's planning and then there's trying to be fancy, which is not a saying, Andy. <laughs> You know what they say, there's planning, and then there's trying to be fans. I felt there was a lot of, through the hallmarks, there was a lot of kind of bad omens from this, just, you know, especially just having that kind of... It felt like a pre-match injury, seeing the news that, you know, Darren Moore wasn't there yeah. because he was, you know, resting at home after, after test, you know, providing a positive COVID test. Um, the fact that we had the co-commentators, Brian Lords. Um, do you remember when he decreed a game against them as winnable and then we were promptly just thrashed 4-1 on live television? Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. <sighs> well, that was... Um, well, I'll, I don't want to skip ahead too much, but 
there was a weird vibe from those two as commentators where it was just like almost like annoyed that Wednesday weren't doing more. And I sort of felt like as a Wednesday fan, I'm I'm going into this game thinking it's an absolute hiding to nothing. And the worst thing would have been to get well, I don't we don't want to this is like last, you know, last final thoughts type thing. But I don't want to go into a game like like a bad thing to happen here with our fragile confidence would have been to you know play like we did like a like we did in the last game and get beat 5-0 or 6-0 here that would have been terrible i don't know anyway let's um <laughs> we we didn't make a huge amount of chances it has to be said it was more those like half moments that didn't get developed properly um but the 25th minute we we had one of the best of those which was the ball sort of breaking to windass and it was him and Rhodes kind of on the on the prowl together um but the 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 Watford keeper got out really well and and stifled the the cross or shot I don't know quite which what it was supposed to be I think Windass was trying to just chip it over and hope chip it over the approaching goalkeeper and hope something happened as a result of it but it, it ended up not being much basically I think it went on to be a a goal kick even because it came off off Windass after from the goalkeeper um just to to give you an idea of the, the one of the highlights for me was was uh, Patterson absolutely smashing Hutch at a Watford corner. Uh, <laughs> that happened in the twenty seventh minute when Hutch went down injured, and you're like, "Oh dear, somebody's really done Hutch." And then he, you watch the replay back, and it was Patterson just battered into the back of him, full pelt. Felt all of his pub league guile go through the through the uh, <laughs> through his spine. <laughs> Oh, I love that you use the term public guile. That's fantastic. Um, we were trying to play nice football. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes we were easily pressured into mistakes. The, the worst of those possibly being a moment where um, Wildsmith passed to Lees in the box. Lees knocked it back to Wildsmith, uh, hoping to sort of then run into some space and, and play the you know get the ball in that space. And Wildsmith played it back to him but it was a comfortable sort of seven to 10 feet above him and away from him. It was one of the worst passes I've ever seen. He just cleared it in his general direction, straight out of play. Um, uh, do, do you have many sort of notes? I mean, uh, as I say, it's mainly sort of half chances. We, Berner had a, a volley that went over um, Ramsey yeah. in the first minute. He kind of just poked at it quite tamely. Um didn't really make any attempt to get his body over it. We picked up quite a few yellows on generally stopping breaks happening. Urigide got a got a yellow. Um, Reach got a yellow. Um, and then I think the half ended with. I thought this was great acting from Tom Lee's. Really like Oscar worthy. I thought at the forty seventh minute, I thought Wildsmith got a touch to that Jao Pedro shot. It's mm. clear to me like it, the trajectory changed. And I think Tom Lees was about to give him a huge like pat on the back and then saw that the ref had blown for a goal kick and just kind of like retracted his hand very naturally and like did the mm. sort of clap of a goal kick. Um, but yeah, what, what, what did you pick up from that first half? Um, outside of that, there was a moment on the third minute which really like really gave me kittens. That was a Watford cross and then Lees yeah. like slid onto it. 
Yeah. And then I felt the just weight and the gravitational shift of every Wednesday night's heart sinking as Wildsmith clutching it, rushing back to his line as though he was going to try and jump over it like he was going for a touchdown or something for a second. Mm. Yeah. That wasn't the funniest thing in the world, I'm going to be no. honest with you. Really... What do you think about the, they talked about, did you think there was a penalty shout on Rhodes on the 10th minute? It was a touch off, touch soft from my opinion. Do you have an opinion on that, Rich? Oh, it would have been very soft. I I think it's the sort of thing Rhodes gets a lot, but probably not in the box. (laughs) Maybe he would have had a shout if they were 30 yards from goal. But um, I'd be very, very disappointed if a penalty like that was given against us because it was the slightest of touches, really, wasn't it? It was getting away from Rhodes. Mm. Yeah, it kind of threw himself when he knew that he wasn't going to get much on it useful. Uh, but yeah, worth. I mean, it's it's another moment, isn't it? It's another ball in that could have led to something. Yeah, and then I mean, from that corner, that was the chance that I think. Did you mention the Joey Pelopesi? Oh yeah, for, no, I didn't. I didn't even note that, but it was a, <laughs> it was a, yeah another Pelopesi, um volley, which we've seen a few of recently. <laughs> well, actually, maybe unfortunately, put the mockers on this because really early in my notes. Let me look through here, Rich. This is probably the seventh paragraph note. And even some of these notes are kind of just one-sentence paragraphs, much like I'm uh, writing for a tabloid newspaper or the <laughs> star. Uh, I said Pelopesi is due a wilder. Yeah. Long due, really, isn't it? Long due. Long due. If that's, if that's the only goal he could ever score for us. Well, it might be the only one goal he's ever scored for us, but, you know, he might score. He might make it a plural of kind of world goals, but... Uh, <laughs> no, it came out to him. And actually, for a second, I thought he put his foot through it perfectly. Yeah. And then it just veered off. Um, I know there was a Watford chance late in the game, just to kind of connect the two dots here. But we have one that's wonderful. I think they, they put a shot wide. But it had that wonderful thing as part of football where, you know, they hit the stanchion. And it looks yeah. it looks more impressive because it hits something, you know? Yeah, hits something minute. That volley um, where curl, sort of curl, I hit with the outside of the foot and curling out that way. Hmm. Um, the 16th minute, Bannon did a good corner to the near post, but then Wednesday's new YouTube sensation, Urihide, managed to hunchback it over the bar. <laughs> and that's kind of really um, kind of coinciding what you said, you know, that's the heartbreaking stab over the bar from Burner at the nearly the half hour mark. Yeah. The rest of the stuff is basically just about, you know, I thought the Urihide foul for, for the yellow was poor. I was watching Urigide because he he was knackered. <laughs> he was he was running back as fast as he can to sort of because that was a break from Watford for, after one of our set pieces. He was running back as fast as he could, and he kind of like fell over his own legs at the halfway line, which then meant he like went twice as fast to, to catch up with everybody else. And he was sort of like had that look of a man that wanted. He needed like ten seconds bent over with his hands on his knees to kind of get his breath back but unfortunately he was right in the line of fire and I think he brought that kind of tiredness to it to the decision making and the challenge mm. looked like a heavy legged sort of challenge but the rest of this unfortunately and I mean this is the this is the frustrating thing about this game is like I'm looking at this you know my halftime kind of write up is saying this is ho-hum stuff but still maybe unfortunately you know, top 20, top 30 performance of the season so far. Yeah. Plot pickers. 
you know this is <laughs> this is a this is very much a U2 late album single. This is like the seventh single from all that you can't leave behind basically. <laughs> it's that just kind of mildly mildly notable kind of you know polished mediocrity. That's what it kind of felt like and it it's it's just a uh, unfortunately maybe the nature of where we kind of are as Sheffield Wednesday fans and where we are kind of out with the season but like I'm just watching this and it's the game's looking it looked a lot warmer than I, I had to go look and see what the weather was like there because it looked lovely um and it was apparently only 10 degrees but it it looked a lot warmer than there I said you know as a Canadian you know I'd be there in shorts too demanding demanding the Vegas resort in February opens the pool so <laughs> <laughs> But most of this was just, it just starts to get to that age where it gets to April and you get like a nice day and it just kind of makes you think, you know, it'd be really nice to have one of these spring summer matches where, you know, we're on the beach, you know, a carefree breeze rolls in while we're watching a game of football that no one really cares about. O to B championship mid-table chaff. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the clips that was sort of shared on social media in the run-up to this game was the one where Atty sort of scored in the 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 very death you know the last the last few seconds of the match um, mm. that was that typical sort of like we didn't really have much to play for we were going somewhere that we should get beat and we kind of did a weirdly good performance <laughs> and won the game um, yeah and kind of i think sort of messed things up a bit for them as well so delayed their um promotion as well so it, that was really it's really fun going and like spoiling somebody's party we did the same to cardiff didn't we in the same sort of position those are lovely mm. sort of games. You, you know yeah you're in that mid midway between relegation and promotion and uh you can just but it's enjoy. but that's a yeah that's a weird thing about this is that the fact that we we haven't earned mediocrity have we no but then mediocrity is as you say relatively mediocrity is like a high watermark for this group of players well, it, I mean, we've previously had seasons with a squad where that would be a gigantic failing. But, yeah, yeah. You know, we didn't know just clearly how low the squad and this team and this set of players would go. Um, I mean, it's yeah. enough to say it's it's enough to say and to look back at the season and be like, well, you know, there was there was a points deduction. But I mean, outside of that, there's just so many That's kind of whimpering. Use now, isn't it? Because six points doesn't take us. I mean, we'd be out, maybe we'd be out on goal difference. Like six points doesn't make the. We had periods this season where you're like, yeah, but if you add the twelve or you add the six points, then we are mm. able. We're in a relegation battle. Even if we had the six points, we're still in a relegation battle, and we're one of the worst form teams in that relegation battle. Nobody's in wonderful form, but we're <laughs> we're we're one of the worst ones. Um, <laughs> sorry, sobering sobering moment. So. Rather hilariously, Luke, you know, having joked about sponsorship several times, we actually have a sponsor. feels very silly to say, but support for Different Gravy during the month of April, brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. So Manscaped is, is taking over the world, slowly but surely. It's now available in Europe, Canada, Australia, 
and New Zealand. And there's over 2 million men currently shaving their bits and pieces with uh, with Manscaped products uh, worldwide right now. And we're now part of the movement, Luke. Yes, Europe and Australia is about to get a lot less hairy. That's right, folks. If you live near you, you can now purchase Manscaped products. If you live there, you've gone years without using the right tools for job. Now, Rich, I'm, I'm a man who sometimes gives a bit of a trim down there, and I've never got to the point of thinking, I really want to just go go out of the balls, go out my nuts, go out my lads, go out my plums. And as you know, as Sheffield Wednesday fans, we prize the junk that is Sheffield Wednesday, but sometimes we don't prize our own junk. So definitely did that with Manscapes, And this is a fantastic package, folks. Really well, beautifully put together. And yeah, I love the I love the products. I love the, how it works. And yeah, Rich, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all beautifully put together. They've redesigned the electric trimmer for this special purpose. I think the thought of using the same shaver for your face and your <laughs> nethers is quite a gross one when you spend any time thinking about it. And you, you can clean these, you know, you can clean products, but uh, there's always bits that you just can't reach. So I think having specific tools for the task is, is a good idea. But it's a beautifully engineered. The, ma- the main product is the, the lawnmower 3.0, which is the, is the trimmer that we're talking about. And they've spent 18 months working on making that the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, which is an incredible uh, cl- claim to fame for this product. That's right. The third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade that reduces grooming accents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so it can take a longer shave. And waterproof. You can be in the shower, you can be in the bath. The coolest thing, I think, really, is probably the lights. There's an LED light, which mm. makes everything nice and HD and clear down there, so you know you know what, what you should trim, what you shouldn't trim. This is 4K ball-shaving viewing experiences, folks. <laughs> I mean, they've also grown into a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. You can show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock that's powered by USB. And basically, you know, as our wonderful, loyal listeners, we want to give something back. If you're listening to us speak right now, we want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. And we can offer you 20% off and free shipping with the code GRAVYBALLS on manscaped.com. So if you go go to manscaped.com, there's a there's a brilliant package which is the one that Luke was talking about where you get a um, a nice kind of soap bag you get creams and gels for for looking after scent and toning in the region and the shaver itself so you know if you want to pop that in your bag or if you just want to you know pick up something else you'll get twenty percent off your your order there if you if you use that code on manscaped.com and and gravy balls is the code that we were rather pleased to land on that's right instead of supporting the lads at Sheffield Wednesday support your own lads. And get 20% off and free shipping with the code GRAVYBALLS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code GRAVYBALLS. Your balls will thank you. But I thought, yeah, similar sort of thoughts at halftime. I mean, I thought not bad as a performance, particularly after Mm. that tough start. I I did have that feeling and and, um, I made a comment in the second half that Andy Giddings uh, was like a... The, no, AKA the driving instructor obsessed by what gear Watford were in. Cause he just constantly went on about, I think they were between gears. I think they're in first gear at one point. Uh, at one point he, uh, he, he, um, he said Watford ominously looked like they're working their way through the gears. Just a lot of gear talk. Um, I don't know whether that's like a kind of like 
tap your nose sort of thing and he was looking for some cocaine i mean obviously parody parody but whether you know he's in he's in london town and he knows that's where you get the good gear so if you just keep saying gear one of the stewards will bring you a little bag and you hand over your envelope full of cash i don't know Uh, (laughs) but it was i mean half time you did have that feeling that watford if we managed to play a bit well enough to kind of challenge them uh, or dropped off at all, they could absolutely ruin us. There's just that kind of knife edge. Yeah. There's a, just they felt I, dangerous when they broke and got the ball forward. It just didn't happen that much. You know, if, if we were ever optimistic and we were ever a Sheffield Wednesday team that kind of went behind with the promise of, you know, the team seeing as a challenge or something to achieve or some mm-hmm. kind of impetus to get back into this, then things could well be different. Um, but, I mean, obviously that's not really the case. And, I mean... Like, from a Watford perspective, you could probably look at this and it'd be one of those games where, like, you could probably look at and then probably say in terms of their performance, they could say they scored too early. Yeah. But but then there was nothing on Sheffield Wednesday's behalf to ever push them to ever muster anything greater than, you know, the first lot of uh, nose clams that uh, Andy (laughs) Andy Giddings would talk about, you know. Uh, I'll stop talking about him now, but but the last thing I will say is um, he also couldn't decide whether the Watford captain was called Chaloba or Chalabar. When he got excited, he said Chalabar. Interesting. And Interesting. Most of the rest of the time, he sort of said Chaloba. Um, I, I, at one point, I thought it's the two of them, a different player. Because I, I thought it was Chalabar. Yeah. I've always I've always thought I that thought that was know. how that was pronounced, but then I've also realized that I, I I made this realization when I was thinking about the pronunciation of his name is that it's it's never particularly something I ever think about because it it's a bit like talking about how words in Latin are pronounced because it's for me it's like I don't have anyone really to talk about it with a great deal. <laughs> Because yes. I've lived in this kind of weird kind of world, you know, sequestered away from everything, I must say. So, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but I did make... I While we're talking about Chalabar, I think he was possibly the worst Watford player on the pitch. Yes, that's, that's, a, that's a good call there. Chalabar, more like, is one of my notes. <laughs> and also Chalupa, about as shit as one from Taco Bell. <laughs> Apologies to any American listeners who think Taco Bell's any good, but it's not. Maybe <laughs> hey, we might have listeners from Sheffield that think Taco Bell's any good. It's one of the few places it's got a foothold in uh, in the UK. Has it? it has it since disappeared from the corner oh, of Division Street? Oh, maybe it has. I think it's it. Oh, I think it's really disappointing for one of the trendiest, the trendiest shopping streets in Sheffield to be beleaguered by. Uh, you're gonna to have oh, to yeah. deal with those mice again, Luke. I think they're taking the mic. <laughs> they really are. They've um they've clearly brought their beaver friends who are kind of <laughs> angered up in my walls. So Yeah. Oh you could you can hear that as well then. Okay. Yeah. That's what I think yeah. Hoping being in my little cubby hole and turning the game down on my microphone would not have such delicious wow. It's really quite quite the noise. I just thought it was worth <laughs> referencing. I think it's livable, but um, it's definitely a presence. Mm. Um, 
<laughs> I thought you were trying out one of your Manscaped products, so um, I I'm, prob I'm slightly glad it's a neighbor. No, they're actually a lot quieter thanks to the 7000 RPM quiet stroke technology, <laughs> so you don't get the sound of uh, things like that, I must say. <laughs> The, um, so the second half started pretty inauspiciously with Bannon down injured with his boot off. Um, and again, just this sort of, again, this, sort of, like, this is one of the highlights. Video, just rifling through a baggie of open medical odds and sods was uh, was really quite enjoyable. That It just sort of had like loose tablets in a bag. <laughs> he was thumbing through. And I don't know. I, I thought your comment would be about the commentary with some of the pithy, you know, again, like it's that feeling of that spring summer non match that, <laughs> like, all you really have to go on entertainment is some kind of dubious sequiturs yes. from, uh, from color commentator Brian Laws. Brian Laws proclaiming that when that stuff happened to him, he proclaimed the magic of a cold sponge. <laughs> uh, my comment is football has moved on a bit from mythology, Brian. <laughs> Well, if you drop a milestone on your foot, um, you've really got to get. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was it. Was uh, that was a, a strange comment from him? Definitely. Um, <laughs> and we had so the uh, sort of ten minutes in or so, so fifty fifty fourth minute or thereabouts. Um, there was another kind of nearly moment. So Windass got the ball fed through to him. Um, and he tried to work it across to Rhodes. Um, mm. It just was a bit. It was a bit too fast, I think. The ball and and Rhodes was never. He was always kind of losing the battle with his man, unfortunately. Um, but I think you know that's what, again. It was another kind of moment that could have become a chance. I think that's the. It was one of those games where none of them really came to fruition, unfortunately. Well, apart from one, we're, we're a bit later. Um, but like we didn't have guilt edge chances, but we had moments that could have become with a bit of quality, a bit of thought or, you know, slightly better pass. And I think around the 59 minute mark, there was another one of those where we broke forward. Um, Reach had played a really good ball down the line to Bannon. And we were basically like three on three. We had Rhodes and Windass against their two centre backs. Um, the fullback on the other side hadn't got back and Bannon had the ball on the left flank so it's kind of yeah three versus three he saw Hutchinson coming over his right shoulder so he played him in thinking he's got some time and space to probably play a pass that he couldn't and Hutchinson just kind of ran straight into the nearest Watford defender but again that's like a moment where we had there were there were as many Wednesday players in their half as there were Watford players and that's a good opportunity for any team really um and we just weren't able to make anything of it it's quality letting us down. It's legs letting us down. It's whatever else. Um, we then, so Bannon had, was continuing to have trouble. He got trodden on by Gosling on the edge of their area, uh, which mm. broke his shoelace. And he sort of hoffily put on <laughs> a black right boot to go with his left white boot um, in, in changing things around and played the rest of the game in that fashion. Uh, so from a distance, it really looked like he didn't have a, he had one shoe on and the other one, he was just playing in his, his socks. Uh, so that was, that was again, an enjoyable little moment. You know, you gotta, you gotta pick those little moments of sunshine out, haven't you Luke? <laughs> I think so. At the 51 minute mark, I also made a note, Rich. Uh, did you remember the Patterson shot? Which he tried to oh, kind of. Oh yeah, his his moonshot. 
Yeah, so Pat, uh, Pato shooting a shot in the same manner I would with Alison Brie. <laughs> yeah, he sort of got, he took a couple of touches to control it and then just thought, why not? And um, mm. it wasn't a bad effort. It hit the roof of the net. It could have. Um, That's true. It's probably only like a, a foot or two away from being a, a really decent uh, shot. Yeah. Did we, did we manage any shots on target? I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I can't remember. I'm, I'm looking now. Technically, sorry. I, that's what you mean. You don't want my um, assessment, do you? Well, I think both would do. You know, you can give me your well, view of it. Windass. I think they're counting that Windass effort where the keeper sort of closed him down. Right, and then the keeper palmed it up into Windass to bundle out of. Yeah. Bundle out of play. Yeah, they're so they're, yeah they're counting one. They only had two shots on target. Because they ca- they did count that Joao Pedro one, so he did he did get that on target. So there you go, that's interesting. Interesting. Um, mind you, they didn't need to get a shot on target to score because uh, we helped them out, didn't we? We can do that for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me take your bags, sir. We can just outsource that to Tom Lee's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so I didn't mark the minute for this, which is a bit of a mistake on my part, but. The best chance of the game mm. is Jordan Rhodes. That is the 64th minute, I believe, because I've taken that now. So Hutchinson, probably his best moment of the whole game, plays a good cross from deep. Um, mm. the, the Watford defender has a terrible header. It sort of goes through him rather than going away from the goal at all. Lands at the feet of Jordan Rhodes, and he hits the most inexplicably high and wide volley from the situation. It was maddening. I don't even know how you managed to mess it up so much. I've even managed to just rub my face while you were talking about this. Like, I just, you know, you're transmitting that heat of shame onto my face. Right now, we just did that. What an absolute waste of a chance. Like, I don't think that that's the best it got this game. Yeah. And you'd really, you'd really hope that, Rhodes would get, at least get it on target. Yeah, it's one of you know, it's like just basic sort of technique side of things. You know, get your body over it. Don't lean back. You know, put your laces on it, or what? You know, like all those things. Mm. He did none of them. He's leaning back. He hit it with like his heel, <laughs> the back of the side of his foot, kind of thing. And it just, yeah, it, it went. It probably went over the bar by about ten feet, even though he was only about two or three feet away from the goal. Um, so frustrating. That's, the th- I think, the thing looking at the game and we're, we're, we're sort of rounding the corner in terms of the, the last moments. But um, we should just wrap things up and then we can talk about thoughts about the game as a whole. But um, my, So my, my last and final note, I think, is, this, is the, the sort of howler from Berner on the 78th minute where he tried to to a sort of Cruyff turn mm. with a Watford player right in front of him um, and then fell over and held his face, hoping that the goalkeeper would, uh, hoping that the, the referee would sort of show pity to him and blow his whistle. He didn't. Uh, <laughs> and it, it it created a huge chance for Watford and, and thankfully Uruguide, um blocked the goal bound shot and uh, we didn't have anything too much to, to deal with there. Um, what Weirdly, Wildsmith got a yellow card in that, Sort of yes. So, okay. Do you happen to know why? Because I have no idea why. I, I can only guess dissent. 
That's pretty weak, though, isn't it? I mean, it wasn't a game where I thought the referee did fine today. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm, it's nice to not have a complaint about a referee in a championship football match. It's a rare occurrence, yeah. right? It's once every blue moon. Yeah. But um, yeah, no idea. And then there was no, you know, the commentary team didn't pick up on it. You know, I had to go to. I think I went straight to Flash Score to kind of check and be like, "What happened?" Because there wasn't, there wasn't even any kind of direct line shot of it. Kind of Wildsmith being given it, you know, on a camera view. Like I saw the ref give a yellow, but it wasn't. The ref was headed over to the ref was headed over then to talk to Burner, and Wildsmith charged at him and got. And then, then I did see him <laughs> the yellow card. I know. I know as much as my criticism of um, I follow doesn't kind of really include. I have an expectation that um, they're set up like Days of Our Lives, where we have like a, you know, a dialogue shot like over the shoulder of Jack <laughs> Smith while he's been given the card, and then you cut back to the other camera over the shot of the referee to see, you know, over the shoulder of the referee to see Joe Wildsmith's exasperated face. I suppose that uh, the ref has made a judgment that it's not a head injury, hasn't he? And then he stopped play anyway because the player's down. Right. So I think. But I mean, Bernard did very, very. Bernard did exceptionally well not to be sent off. Yeah. Yeah, I did think that as well. But that's kind of how you do it, though, isn't it? You kind of say, "Oh, I fouled him. Oh, but I've. Oh, but I've hurt myself. Oh, he hurt the playground, me. Playground, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I can cry before you before the chan- you get a chance to speak to the lunch lady <laughs> or the dinner lady. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then it's your word against mine <laughs> if we're both crying oh dear that was the that was the fun thing of fights in primary school yeah but again we've got that mentality whereby you know we say oh football players are honest as a day is long so we trust them for everything that we do yeah so we we, we were fortunate in that one because i definitely think burner could have been sent off yeah I, so i think what just to explain the yellow i think what happened was while Wildsmith was acting like he had been hit in the head because that's what Burner was trying to sort of put across. Well, he had. <laughs> <laughs> by by, by the, the backside of the player that he was rugby tackling. It's a bit like that commentary you mentioned where, like, you know, we talked about using the head as a, you know, <laughs> using the head as using, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, yeah. Yes. But he did, he did, he did attack, he did bash his face into the Watford's players' foot. <laughs> <laughs> but thank oh. you came of it. Um, again, we had a little cameo from Green. I thought he looked bright. I wondered why maybe he hadn't come on a bit earlier. <clears throat> we mm-hmm. finally shifted Patterson to the middle, gave him about three minutes there, and then brought on Green for him. Um, he looked—he looked like he might be injured. Patterson. He—he he sort of made a big thing of limping off the pitch. Mm. Yeah, it looked like he was crack. It looked like he wasn't doing very fun. I think all of the injuries didn't look like they'd. All no, of the substitutions didn't look. Injury as well, didn't we? Yeah. And he went down twice in that second half. Um, mm. Before eventually coming off. Uh, anything else on the second half? The run of things. Uh, there's a moment in the 83rd minute I enjoyed where Rose chased after a ball, slid out of play, then hit his head on the other ball that was on the yes, yeah. cone. That was fun. Uh, don't know where five minutes of stoppage time came from. 
Um, one one thing that Luke complains about in the narrative of championship football is like there really needs to be a new term for Premier League quality for teams that are clearly not good enough in the top division, but very good in this level. You know, no one. And also, here's the thing: no one's going to decree a relegated championship side to League One to be championship quality. You think that might be a Zinkenagel? I was thinking Zinkenagel should be the German word for something, even though he's Danish. <laughs> This is such a Zinkenagel. Such a Zinkenagel. <laughs> oh. it's, it's, it's a German word for something, waiting for its something, definitely. And I, I mean, you know, while I'm while I'm here making my notes, which could be like it's terrible, I could write this out as a terrible kind of one-sentence paragraph uh, tabloid article. <laughs> if I'd go with that, even though it would be a bit sensationalist because it would be kind of embellishing the truth somewhat, the um, the title for this game, the headline would be Loggings and Messina. <laughs> because Wednesday a poo, that's why. <laughs> that would be the sub-headline. Sub it's because Wednesday a shite. <laughs> No, it, I don't know. It's so weird to say. Like, it's there's just been so many of these games where it's just all a bit anonymous, and this is a better quality of anonymous, you know. But it doesn't make any difference to the situation. We're still six points as we record this. You know, we're recording this on you know Friday evening, just before the I think it's the Birmingham Swansea game. So as it stands, there's still only six points between us and the drop, but that could be seven or... Well, yeah. it could be seven, basically. Birmingham could pick up a point and that takes it to 39. So it, it doesn't really change anything. I mean, that's an interesting thing is that, you know, as I talk about how many points we would typically need, you know, which is one point above 22nd, which looks about 47, that would typically be. Yeah. But then, effectively, you know, we just need to get a nose in front of three other teams. Yeah, I think... <laughs> It's it's that's the the tricky thing with today because obviously as we touched on this is this is a, this is undoubtedly one of the the best teams in the division if not the best team in the division um, the they've won more games at home than any team in this league has ever won before um, or something like that let me just. <laughs> Oh no, just this season. But they've won 16 games at home, which is more than any other team in English football this season. Um, wow. And it's the most that they've won at home since 1982-1983. So they're in you know, they are in fine fettle at home. They've also on a five-game winning streak before this as well. So we were we're playing a team bang in form and and bang at the opposite side of the table to us. Um the expectations today were not high on getting a result. I don't think we didn't get a performance. I, I thought I think we did okay. We just we don't have the quality that they have. They didn't make the best of their chances. We didn't make the best of ours. And the difference was an own goal. It's, I know it's not. <laughs> it doesn't get us any points, and it doesn't make our situation any better. But. It's not a bad for me. It's not a bad result out of this game because, as I say, what to me would have been worse, and and almost what the commentary were clamouring for was us going like hell for leather. Mm. We might as well lose five nil as lose one nil, and for me, I, I don't think that's right. I think confidence and building ourselves up 
it's all been those little incremental changes. It's been like incremental improvements, incremental changes. One of the worst things under Monk was that we managed to get like little salvage, little bits of maybe a win, maybe a draw against the run of things or whatever. And then, then we'd get beat four nil by the team that Mm. was, was better than us. And then any, you just lose any semblance of what you were building because four nil means crisis and you have to start again, rip everything up. And I think one nil away at Watford shows we're on the right track. If we'd kind of gone mad and gone for it and been handed our asses, then I think you have to like, how do you mm. pick everybody up for Cardiff? I th- I think we've got a good chance against Cardiff now. Not because I of guess, the goal, but yeah. yeah, anyway, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I, I wondered for a second whether we were just doing some kind of great long con and Kaiser Sosin, because it was kind of pretty ho-hum. Like, but then I mean, yeah. st- still with that aspect, then I mean, own goal aside, it was a pretty tight affair, right? And, and don't you think that there's sort of shades of Rotherham about today in that, you know, Rhodes sticks that chance away, or we make a slightly better of one of our, one or two of our breaks, and actually then we're in a game against Watford, which nobody was really expecting. Mm. Like, yeah, I, it's... Here's another positive for you, Rich. Mm. We don't we don't look like an absolute gigantic disaster playing out from the back. No, no. I, I think there's positives here. Mm. I'm not sure about Hutchinson coming back in midfield. I don't No. Don't know what he added really today, to be honest. Um most of his passing in their half, aside from the, the road chance, it's so loopy and slow. That there's no, you know, you, th- there's no point switching the play if you do it that slowly because the team's completely adjusted while the ball was in the air, <laughs> and often they've won the ball as well. Um, you've got to have a bit more fizz to it if you're trying to switch play and and move a defense around. Um, it's it's hard because I think Watford will come away from this thinking that was comfortable and mm. job done. We you know we didn't really have to try that hard and we've got the win. It's the sort of win you pick up when you are, you know, making your way towards a promotion. It's a typical sort of win that you get on that journey. And I suppose, from our perspective, it's a typical sort of loss that you rack up when you're on the way to relegation because, Mm. you know, you don't manage to get much going and it's not bad, but it's not good and it doesn't help. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that's the thing, Rich. You know, we, we both went to the kitchen today. Will Hughes effortlessly made him a very average grilled cheese sandwich, and Tom Lee's yeah. went in and bashed a fire pran, fine pran to his head. You yes. know, that's yes. that's the difference between the two. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I can't be too harsh about this, I don't think, but mm. it's also got to be seen hand in hand with the Cardiff game. I think you've got to. We've got to see how. If we lose that game as well in a similar sort of fashion, then I think this becomes more disappointing in retrospect. If we manage to go and get a result in Cardiff, then I think you probably take this as a as a duo of games. You probably go, do you know what? Three points out of those two, not a bad job. You know, not a bad uh, effort, really. Mm. Um. So, uh, any any other sort of final thoughts before we we maybe pick a a villain or a or a star man? Well, not a star man. A, a, Honourable mention. No, no other news. I think I've kind of covered it, covered it thoroughly from everything I could write about this uh, this game of football. So, 
do we go? Are we going for villain? Villain of the piece? Yeah, let's do that. Should we do that and then talk about some kind of um, honourable mentions? So we'll yeah. kind of end it on a mild positive. Yeah. Um, I don't think you. I think we just have to. Uh, like this feels bad because it kind of feels oh, a little wow. bit like a little bit like you know if everybody was okay to a certain degree, but one person scored a goal, then that means they kind of get the man of the match, right? Yes. Yeah. So this is kind of the inverse of that, really, and we have to give it to Tom Lee's. Yeah. Yeah, one person scored today, and they scored for the other team. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, regardless, it's got to, it's got to, the poo has got to come his his way. Uh, no, I think that's fair enough. I'm in agreement. <laughs> um, honourable, you're, Im- you're imagining like a firing line where we just throw feces at whoever's there, or it's just time. It's just Tom Lee's. Yeah, or a kind of um, like a guided missile of poo that is coming, <laughs> being dodged by other members of the team. Tom Lee's goes, what's well, going to hit me anyway, and therefore eats it. <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Mm. <laughs> We're not talking in metaphor or simile here. This is exactly. This, this is actually what happened, yeah. Exactly what happened. So any any sort of positives that stood out? Honourable mentions. So I'm going to go for... Um, I I thought Barry Bannon was very good today. Yeah. Bannon did a lot of good stuff, did some great free kicks, I must say. On numerous occasions, they were really consistent. I think his corners were quite good as well. Corners, yeah. I think, are the thing that's usually the thing that's a little bit lacking in Barry Bannon's toolbox. I think free kicks he's very good at. Corners are a little bit so-so. Actually, corners are largely, unfortunately, quite bad. Yeah. No, for his standards, he should be doing a lot better on corners. I would, I would uh, tend to agree because, I, in particular, first half, and we, it didn't even get mentioned by us because it didn't end up being anything. But mm. he hit a perfect free kick today and was let down by the rest of the team not not getting there. So, like Watford had done the thing where they set up on the outside of the box, the one where Bannon sort of curled it and Backman got an easy catch on the far, at the far post. That is the ball everybody's trying to play you because you then expect a defender or a striker to get there before the goalkeeper and make the whole system look stupid. Um, it's exactly the ball you want to play. And he played it and nobody got anywhere near it, unfortunately. They were all so surprised <laughs> that they were just stood on the edge of the box with the Watford players going, oh, that was, that was a good cross, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, good one. Right, back to defending. <laughs> Um, well, there you go. I mean, it's not not the. Uh, I think that's probably it from us. It's not the longest of episodes, but uh, I think that's the sort of nature of the international break. Um, thank you for for listening. Thank you for your time, and um, all the best for the week ahead. And we look forward to the game against Cardiff, and we'll also have uh, the match against QPR to talk about by the next time that we're uh, we convene. So. Um, that's an interesting couple of games back to back. Exactly. Let's hope the the diff is the difference, and then we shoot some hoops at mm. QPR. The homes QPR Double stuff. Mm-hmm. Smooth. <laughs> <laughs> Look after yourself, folks, and and uh, cheerio. Have a good one. See you later.
Thank <laughs> you.